That ball you want to take? That there's a mistake. Callahan. Callahan's a poser. Yeah, and what do you know that every scout and coach on earth does not? I know we got sacked 12 times last year. No, it was 11. It was 11 times. Yeah, well, four of them were mine in one game. Yeah, I remember. I, I, I saw your highlight reel. I also remember that he beat you. Watch it again. Don't watch me. Watch him. Watch me sack him four times in one game, then watch what happens after. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the BF War Room. My name is Judge Mathis. You can find me on Twitter at Judge Mathis, and I'm joined by Randy Hartman. You can find him on Twitter at Randy underscore Hartman 52. And we're trying something a little new today. We are on the old Twitter. So we are broadcasting live, not just, well, we're not just broadcasting and recording to ourselves, but we are broadcasting live to Twitter from the Air Raid Hour or the Bills Guys account just to try to draw up a little bit of interest in the show and let people know uh, that it is available to them on all major podcasting platforms every Thursday morning here in the BF War Room. We break down Buffalo Bills draft prospects, talk about the week that was in college football, and talk about the week that will be in college football. And speaking of the week that was in college football, new number one, Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Alabama was dethroned. What was your thoughts about that game? Uh, that crazy game on Saturday when AM out of nowhere. I, I remember I joked to you, I'm like, I'm smashing that 17 and a half point over. AM looks like trash. And then they go out there and they beat Bama for the first time ever. A Nick Saban assistant has beaten him. What were your thoughts on that game on Saturday? Uh, I was just as shocked as you were, honestly. Um, I remember, you know, we talked about it last week and we both thought, you know, hammer the over, um, hammer the over, hammer the Bama all day long. And uh, they came up short. I mean, that's, that's one of the great things about college football is that, you know, any it's the old cliche of, you know, any given day, any given Sunday, but in college football, it just, because the games have such high stakes, it makes it such a epic moment every time, you know, no matter what year it is. So uh, big surprise there, uh, several upsets from Saturday, actually, it was a pretty, pretty boring game uh, day for, for, uh, for game Saturday. <laughs> I mean, the Red River shootout, we haven't even, you know, we're not big fans of Spencer Rattler on this podcast. And uh uh oh, it's he he got benched. he got benched. Um, I mean, you could see Spencer Rattler have to transfer, and I don't think he's gonna be declaring for the uh, the, uh, the uh, 22 NFL draft. I mean, that's another quarterback that might not come off the board before the Buffalo Bills pick in the late 20s, early 30s. I, I think he's got a I think he really needs to look at the portal um, and try and find a place to go that's going to give him one big year to get his draft stock up. Because right now, if you look, Lincoln Riley is a quarterback's best friend. I mean, look at the guys that have come through there, you know, and have made their mark in that program with him as their as the head coach. And to come in for Spencer Rattler, if you can't make it work with Lincoln Riley, you got a problem. <laughs> you yeah. got a problem. And so and he, he needs to go somewhere and go somewhere quick. And Lincoln Riley looked visibly just flustered on Saturday. Like he was trying to get Spencer Rattler to do the simplest things. And I mean, Spencer Rattler wouldn't take his dump offs. He wouldn't take his half field reads. He was just holding on the ball, trying to make the big play the entire time. Like even when they tried to make it simple for him, he just wasn't, he just wasn't buying in. And then after he got benched, he was sulking on the sidelines. Uh, mm -hmm. When his team was, when his team was celebrating, he walked off the field. 
um, you know, with, without celebrating with his teammates. I mean, just an awful look Telling you. For, for Spencer Rattler. But Arkansas, Ole Miss, I've been reading a couple of, you know, different websites, Pro Football Focus, uh, Matt Miller over at NFL Draft Scout. They said, listen, even though the score wasn't all that great against Bama, Matt Corral didn't embarrass himself, and he got himself back onto maybe a first-round bandwagon with that game against Arkansas. So Matt Corral could still be the first quarterback off the board. Him and Malik Willis, 1A, 1B right now. It looks like Sam Howell, another awful game, might have to go back uh, and play and, and play for 2023. So, you know, we just got to cross our fingers and hope that these guys, whether it's Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, uh, Sam Howell, Malik Willis, Carson Strong from Nevada, even though he's got some medical issues now. Um, you got to hope that these guys just ball out because the better they play, the more chance a blue chip prospect falls to the Buffalo Bills because the Buffalo Bills have their blue chip quarterback. It's it's not looking good. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, it, it's definitely not looking good. Look, Matt, Matt Corral, I mean, I have followed him from the Elite 11 um, till when he committed at Florida and then transferred to Ole Miss and everything. I think he's a good kid. Um, it's it's you can glean some things when you're watching the the Elite Eleven stuff um, once it comes out through ESPN, and he just seems like a, a quality young kid. Rattler, on the other hand, I mean, douche you bag. could tell total douchebag, and all that <laughs> sulking on the sideline stuff doesn't surprise me one bit. I'm telling you, and I'm you know I'm no NFL GM, and I'm sure they all see it. I don't think anybody's going to touch this guy with a ten foot damn pole. I really yeah. don't. Um, he's, he has hurt himself so much this year that, you know, I, I just can't imagine somebody spending a first round pick on him. I mean, this is worse than Rosen and Rosen had no business being in the first round. My, my favorite game of the weekend was, uh, Iowa Penn state, because I just, I felt like I was in 1996. It was awesome. Great game. <laughs> I think it was so cool. Uh, Matt Hankins is officially my favorite player in college football. I mean, that guy is just an absolute gamer. He's allowed 44 yards in the air all season, Matt Hankins, for Iowa. Riley Moss got hurt in the first half celebrating, but it wasn't like he was like showboating celebrating. He just like jumped up to celebrate an interception, hurt his knee. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Thankfully, it wasn't a tear or anything like that. But That's Matt called Hankins a grammatica, Judge. You got you to <laughs> name it right. That's called a grammatica. And Matt Hankins has balled out. And I'll tell you what, that linebacker, Justin, Justin Jacobs, is about to enter my top 32. Because, I mean, they were using him at nickel corner. They were using him at weak side linebacker. What a versatile defender Justin Jacobs is. I know Jack Campbell gets most of the uh, the accolades on that defense, and he gets mo he gets the most NFL hype, uh, sort of the inside backer there, the 34 inside backer there. But, I mean, I really loved what just Justin Jacobs was doing, and that whole Iowa defense is just, oh, I really hope they make the college football playoff this year. That That's just... That's my team with Sam Laporta and and Goodson on offense. Our boy Tyler Linderbaum, man, I am just I am on the Iowa bandwagon, and I will never leave until all these guys are draft eligible, and then they have no talent left. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I, Iowa is stacked up this year, and it's you know, it's it's fun to watch this year, especially because you have such a shakeup in the top half of the twenty five teams like Iowa, uh, teams like Cincinnati, who. Looks, I mean, they they look like if they run the table, they definitely will be and should be and deserve to be in that college football playoff. Look at Coastal Carolina coming up. They still haven't lost yet. There's probably zero chance that they can make it in the college football playoff. But if they're undefeated, they might have a case for it. I mean, yeah. Isaiah, they, unlikely that they make it into the college football playoffs. But yeah, for, 
four touchdowns, including a 99-yarder for Isaiah Likely uh, this past week. Too bad we don't need a tight end anymore. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We can still Uh, use a second tight end. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, he's more of a big slot guy himself, too. Uh, A little small for, for, for a tight end, and Isaiah Likely, they use him really as a big slot there at Coastal, but... Just looking around at some of the games, uh, back to that Bama game real quick, Kenyon freaking green might enter my top 10 in terms of overall draft prospects. He started two games at right tackle this year, two games at right guard, a game at left guard, and then he played most of the game against uh, Alabama at left tackle and didn't allow a single quarterback pressure. I I think Kenyon green might be an offensive tackle, and I don't think He'll be on the he'll be on the board for the Buffalo Bills because I think teams are going to realize that this dude can play tackle. What are your thoughts on Kenyon Green's performance against Alabama? Yeah, I think he can play tackle, and I think that somebody is going to find a way to to make that work. I mean, are there certain things physically that maybe don't project as well to tackle at the next level? Sure, but there, I mean, there are countless examples of teams that have found ways to make guys work you know, in certain situations, it just takes the right team, the right coach mm-hmm. to make it happen. He's a talented enough guy to where I think it's worth giving him a shot. Maybe he ends up inside eventually like a Cordy Glenn, but you know, when, remember when we took Cordy Glenn and they asked buddy Nick about moving inside and he said, no, he's a tackle, you know, same type of thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody is going to believe in him and leave him out there until he proves otherwise, basically. Yeah. I mean, Looking around the 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 league at some other players that stood out to me, going back to Ole Miss and Arkansas, Ben Brown, the guard center, he was he was on my radar early in the season, but he sort of just left it, sort of a mid round uh, player. Daryl Williams had a really good game uh, against Kansas State Chiefs playing guard, um, but obviously John Feliciano still struggled a little bit. Going back and watching some of the all twenty two of John Feliciano, still not the greatest. Ben Brown is a guard center flex at six foot five, three hundred fifteen pounds. He really. Uh, popped off the tape against um, against Arkansas, according to Tony Pauline of uh, Pro Football Network. And, you know, he's a guy who, you know, Ole Miss ran for 324 yards, you know, uh, on that Arkansas team. And Ben Brown was a big, big part of it. And he's a middle round offensive lineman that I'm going to have my eyes on at this point. Um, you know, looking at some other positions of need, Jacoby Durant is a name that I keep hearing out of South Carolina State, small school corner. 10 tackles, two pass breakups versus Florida AM this past weekend. 5'11, 180. He's got two interceptions, seven pass breakups in five games this year. Uh, again, Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network calls him a cover corner with ball skills and a nose for the ball. And then Pro Football Focus, um, really big on Jaquan McMillan out of ECU. He allowed uh, 14 yards or 19 yards on seven catches over the last two games with an interception for ECU. So some small school corners stepping up along with one of my other bigger school corners that's still going under the radar because he might not be the greatest athlete in the world. Jermaine Waller out of Virginia tech. I still think that dude is a bona fide second round pick, but I think he might be slipping down boards. I I don't see him higher than third or fourth round on a lot of people's boards. And I just don't get it looking at his advanced statistics and everything. I guess his testing numbers will probably, um, you know, ding him down. And that brings us to, what we want to talk about this week, and that is testing numbers. Uh, I mean, we watched that Kansas City game. Ed Oliver, freak, was doing some things against that Kansas City team, especially in in run defense. Spencer Brown, freak, was legitimately, you know, helping us on that offensive line, getting that right. And then you look at Gregory Rousseau, 
absolute freak. Everyone thought he was going to redshirt this year, just like everyone thought Spencer Brown was going to redshirt this year. And sure enough, both of these guys are playing integral roles in the Buffalo Bills, downing the Kansas City Chiefs in the fifth week of the season. <laughs> so I know you wanted to touch upon this. Brandon Bean's draft strategy, what he looks for in prospects. Talk about it a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, it took everybody a while to kind of figure out what Brandon Bean kind of focuses on. And we constantly have to fight against ourselves when it comes to, you know, what we like and what we want versus trying to project what he's actually looking at. And I think, I think what we've come to realize or what I've come to realize is that at certain positions, and I think this goes for offensive line specifically and defensive line, is that they look for size and length and traits. Now, you could apply this to linebacker cuz you know they took Tremaine Edmonds. You could definitely apply it to, you know, quarterback with Josh Allen, but I think that's a very special case there. That's a, that's a totally separate conversation mm-hmm. um altogether. But I'll be interested to see if it applies to our biggest position of need going into the draft, which is cornerback 2. Mm-hmm. Now, me and you both agree that interior offensive line is going to be a focus this offseason and this draft cycle. We, we know that. But I think you have to, and I mentioned it before, you have to kind of put the final piece in that defense and get that solid cornerback too. And I'll be really interested to see, you know, where the focus goes. Are they going for production or are they going to focus on a lot of these height, weight, speed, and- athletic freak guys or is it going to be both are they going to look and, for the best of both worlds and i i'm going to chime in here and say that one of the guys that the buffalo bills looked into last year that i was flabbergasted by flabbergasted by was tyson campbell out of georgia and he would fit the mold of a height weight speed guy over a guy who really put up production in college so if the buffalo bills had their eyes on on tyson campbell who ended up going to jacksonville that might tell you that the Buffalo Bills would be interested possibly in one of those freaks. So it's going to be really interesting when I look at the cornerbacks on the board, Trent McDuffie and Ahmad Gardner. I, I don't know just by popping on the, the, the film, whether they're or, or watching on Saturdays, whether they're the freaks or not. I know Derek Stingley Jr. is going to be a freak. I don't well, know if uh, Trent McDuffie and my Gardner would be. So it's going to be really interesting to look at those testing numbers, but just, Based off of, of looks, right, based off of just how players look when they're playing, Gardner and McDuffie seem like those first-round guys that might fit the freak mold. Um, but I look at Martin Emerson from Mississippi State. Hmm. I look at Kyler Gordon from Washington. Uh, those are two guys who are more probably uh, athlete than football player right now. You talked about Seven Banks from Ohio State who hasn't played a ton. Um, and you got Avery Young from Rutgers who is another guy who is a heck of a lot more maybe athlete so so much than football player the, at this point. The Clemson transfer from Georgia, Darian. Um, yeah, Darian Kendrick from Georgia. Kendrick, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, going back to what you were saying about the athletic freaks, um, in the freak list that you had, had sent me a, a, you know, yeah. a little bit of information on, so I separated the 101 players by position. Yeah. And cornerback is one of the deepest ones on there. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you, the only guy, there's only two guys that we've talked about yep. that are on this 2022 freak list at cornerback, and that's Derek Stingley Jr. and Trent McDuffie. Yeah, Gardner isn't on here. Emerson isn't on here. The highest well, ranked guy isn't even Stingley. Yeah, it, it's well, was Sting? I, I'm pretty sure Stingley was ahead of 
Was he? No, oh, he wasn't. He wasn't ahead of Tariq Woolen, was he? Right, Tariq so, Woolen from yeah. UTSA. Let me read this Tariq Woolen guys because he is a senior, and I looked into him. He's having a pretty decent year statistically. Uh, Tariq Woolen from UTSA. Uh, here's the write-up from Bruce Feldman, who every year does a freak list where he highlights the biggest freaks in in college football, the biggest freak athletes, the guys who have just crazy numbers, whether it's in the weight room or in combine-like drills, etc. Uh, here's what they have to say about Tariq Woolen out of UTSA. The school's mascot is the Roadrunner, but after hearing how fast this guy is, it probably it probably could use him as its logo. Woolen converted from wideout after struggling with catching the ball consistently, but he really bought into the position switch. He is an intriguing combo of length and elite athleticism. He is six foot four, 204 pounds, but also has a broad jump of 11.5 and ran a laser timed 43440. He topped out at 23.33 miles per hour on the GPS, and his flying 10 yard time is 0.90 seconds. We'll give UTSA another hat tip for having the strongest kicker. Uh, that's just starts talking about having a, a kicker who can do a bunch of squats. Six foot four, 204, 43440. That kind of freak athleticism. That's the kind of guy where maybe the Buffalo Bills not early in the draft. Um, and who knows? This guy could be a draft riser once he gets to the senior bowl or the combine, et cetera. Um, more likely the shrine game for a guy like this. But I mean, sixth round, seventh round, Tariq Woolen, like boom. That's the kind of guy. But but, but you mentioned Stingley and McDuffie. Uh, that's where I wanted my focus to be was on those early round guys because Rousseau, you could have made the argument he was, wasn't the best edge on the board. I would have taken Joe Tryon. Joe Tryon's playing pretty well too. I would have taken Joe Tryon <laughs> um, because he was more of an established player. Uh, when the Buffalo Bills took Ed Oliver, there was a good number of people who said, hey, take Christian Wilkins. Um, and there were some other players who might have had a more rounded game on the board. Uh, when the mm. Buffalo Bills, you know, took <laughs> Spencer Brown, there were other people on the board who, um, you know, might have been better on film, et cetera. So, you know, Brandon Bean has this tendency to go after these freak ish type of guys because he understands that they have things that those other guys don't like. All right. I can so, bring those other guys in and make them solid players. I can bring these guys in who have things that are uncoachable, coach them and turn them into freaks. But I think the work ethic part is the most important. And that's where we don't, we can't dig as deep as other right. people into that, into that sort of uh, in foray of, of so, a scouting report. I want to touch on those two real quick. Cause a lot is being made of you know, Russo and Brown and how, you know, nobody thought they were ready. It is incredibly difficult to project where a guy in Spencer Brown's case, coming from that much different level of competition and then having to sit out a year, uh, you know, and he's been, you know, he was training with uh, Joe Staley the whole year, which is great, mm -hmm. but it's not live reps. It's practice and it's training and it's a wealth of knowledge that you're gaining from a, you know, NFL all pro, but it's not reps. Rousseau, on the other hand, had one year playing defense one year and then had to sit out a year for COVID. How do you project that? You're, you're, it's basically just a shot in the dark. So I don't think anybody that wasn't very high on Rousseau should be down on themselves in this case. It's not like there was a wealth of information available to your average person. Mm -hmm. Obviously Brandon Bean and his team did the work and that's why, that's why they've built the team that they have is because they've gone beyond just numbers on a page and cursory information. They've dug deep. 
they found the right things, the things that they need to know to make an investment in these guys. That's why we're being successful right now. It's not mm -hmm. blind luck or it's not, you know. And 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 they mentioned too, like he just showed up here and from the second he got here, you couldn't take him off the field. They're like, who are we going to take yeah. him off? Like they, they understood who they in the room. They had Mario Addison in the room. They had Jerry Hughes in the room. They understand they had those veteran guys there. And, um, you know, a couple of people have made a really good point on social media. If it wasn't for Jerry Hughes, if it wasn't for Mario Addison, maybe Gregory Rousseau wouldn't be where Gregory Rousseau is right now. Like that could that dude could just be an absolute sponge absorbing information from veterans like that. And as much as I think Bill's Mafia likes to poke fun at Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes, those guys are two guys who have been there and done that in this league and have an arsenal of pass rush moves an arsenal of weapons an arsenal of tips and tricks tricks. And, and see the game in a way that a young player just won't see a game. And if Gregory Rousseau truly is like a sponge, a guy who comes in and grinds and does the work, he's the guy who's going to get the most out of having those two in a meeting room with him. Like there, there are the Spencer Rattlers of the world who would just be like, you know, I'm, I'm six foot five. I'm six foot six. I'm 255, 55 pounds. I have these arms as long as trees. Like I was a five-star recruit. I don't need to listen to your ass. There are those guys out there, but Gregory Rousseau isn't one of them. Like he seems like the kind of guy who's legitimately putting in the time and listening to these veteran mentors and respecting that process that Sean McDermott preaches. Yeah. And, you know, even, even with a guy that hasn't worked out so far in Cody Ford, I don't think the, the problem is that the game isn't important to him. I don't think the problem is that he's not trying hard or studying enough or taking as many lessons in as possible. I think it's just that it's just not coming together for him. Sometimes things just don't work out through no fault of his own. Maybe he's just not the level of player they thought he was. Yeah, and it, it still stinks because we didn't go after my boy Dalton about Dalton Reasoner, but uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of guys on the board that stings. Uh, but they, <laughs> but they believe you. in their process. Yeah, they yeah. believe in and their coaches that they have. When you have a hit rate the way that they have a hit rate right now, you're you're afforded a miss or two, even if it is that early in the draft. Lord knows, uh, you know, look at the Las Vegas Raiders; they they keep missing on all their first <laughs> round picks. Uh, so, uh, but going going back to that freak list, I know you you've uh, put a little bit more work into this than I have. I didn't have a chance to organize it the way I wanted to, but one of the things that stood out to me, and I just want to keep scrolling this list. Number five on the list stood out to me, and there was a couple. We talked about how this is a poor year for defensive tackles. There were a couple of defensive tackles on this list. And here's here's a guy, not to not to uh, get too into the Chris Collinsworth weeds because we all know how I'm feeling about Chris Collinsworth right now. But here's a guy, Devontae Wyatt from Georgia, who I have mentioned now for the past couple of shows. He's number five on Bruce Feldman's freak list. This is a guy who Tony Pauline said he had a third round grade on and other people he talked to said they had a day three grade on him. So this is going to be a guy in Devontae Wyatt where – I don't know the statistics he's putting up and the way he's playing, even though he's surrounded by some talent. If he can get into the NFL combine and he can put up some numbers to go on top of those statistics, Devontae Wyatt could be a guy who goes in the in late first, second, or early third round that maybe some people didn't see coming, even though they should have. This is Bruce Feldman's comments on Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. The dogs are loaded with talent, but this is their biggest freak. The six foot three, 307 pound lineman was a disruptive force in the middle of the Georgia defense. He had 25 tackles and 14 quarterback pressures in 2020. His most impressive testing number is the 48740 he clocked this offseason. He also had vertical jumped 31 inches and broad jumped 93. The former high school shot putter is also very strong, benching 385 pounds and squatting 585. 
This is a guy. This is the kind of guy who seems like he puts in the work to get his body right. The Buffalo Bills. You would have noticed this week, like Emmanuel ba- Emmanuel Agba, Carlos Basham active, Harrison Phillips inactive. It's almost to the point now where the Buffalo Bills, when we want to do one thing, we activate these guys. When we want to do another, we activate these guys. If we're looking for more of a guy who can do it all, because Agba is expiring, Harrison Phillips is expiring. A guy like Devontae Wyatt could maybe start popping up second round radar for the Buffalo Bills. Well, that Georgia that Georgia front is just loaded. And mm-hmm. the question is, you know, who is Mario Williams? Who's Manny Lawson? And who's <laughs> John McCargo? Yeah. That, that that's the big question. If you want to do a throwback here for Bills Mafia and our terrible memories of draft busts and past, you know, who is who in that in that group? Is Jordan Davis Mario Williams, or is he Manny Lawson, or mm-hmm. God help us if he's John McCargo and he falls to us because we don't need another one of those. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Devontae Wyatt. I mean, he's number five on that on that freak list, and mm-hmm. um, it's definitely something to uh, to monitor as the process continues. I thought there's some interesting yeah. groupings here. Um, as far as the position breakdown, not a lot of safeties. Of course, some of the corners could move over to safety. Mm-hmm. The linebacker group is surprisingly deep. Um, now there is one, they had a guy from coastal Carolina, Jeffrey oh, Gunter, whose position bandit. is just bandit. And can I, can I read his, his right now? Cause I love this dude. He was number, first of all, he was, he was high. I mean, he was number eight. I mean, this guy is insane. Just reading up on what he does for them. Uh, in the coastal Carolina scheme, Gunter plays the bandit position, which is an outside linebacker that plays to the boundary drops into coverage and plays in a two-point stand so he can disguise rushing versus dropping back in pass coverage. In last season's opener, when Coastal whipped Kansas, Gunter ran with the Jayhawks' most dynamic athlete, Puka Williams, on a wheel route, and he stuck with him. He has great length and raw athletic ability, said Coastal defensive coordinator Chad Staggs, but I believe what sets him apart is his work ethic and relentless effort. That's not even to talk about his measurables. Uh, his measurables here are six foot four, 273, Oh my God, a vertical of 39 inches, a broad jump of 10, two benches, four thirty five for 30. He also does two twenty five for 30 reps, squats, five twenty five power cleans with no wrist straps, three sixty five and has a pro shuttle time of four, three, seven. Well, thank thank you for reading that, Judge, because now I won't be able to walk for the next 30 minutes. I appreciate (laughs) that. Um, like just absolutely. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm surprised he's not getting more attention. I, uh, I need to watch some coastal Carolina games then. I and, need to find hey, out on, on the they DVR. Are, they, they are, they are everywhere because you know, there's, there's, there's a conversation now where does coastal enter the top four? Like could coastal make their way? I doubt it, but there are some people out there beating the drum saying if, you know, Cincinnati loses and coastal keeps winning, uh, you can't disrespect the Chanteliers like that. Um, but speaking of defensive linemen, one more I wanted to point out, number 13, Travis Jones, a guy mm-hmm. we mentioned on this podcast before. Uh, UConn is a joke of a franchise or a, a, of a program. But, you know, Pro Football Focus is like, no, this Travis Jones guy is legit. Uh, six foot five, 328 pounds. He registered uh, 11 and a half tackles for loss in his first two college seasons. He's still putting up decent numbers this year. Um, he didn't play last year. Uh, he arrived at 360 pounds with 30% body fat. Uh, now he's 32 pounds lighter and his body fat is down to a staggering 13%. He benches 455 at third and does 32 reps at 225. Hang cleans 405 and squats 60, 615. He has a 28 and a half inch vertical and a shuttle time of 457. 
What's his What's his year? Is he a junior? Which is up senior? there with with Derek Brown. Uh, I believe he would be technically a senior, but also uh, considered a junior because they didn't play last year. Uh, so he's definitely has like two years of eligibility left. But an eighty-two and a half inch wingspan and a seven point four one time in the three cone. I mean, absolute. This is a guy who could go. This is a guy who could go in the in the second or third round, and people I, will go what? <laughs> like, huh? I'd like to see him at the senior role because I'm always yeah, intrigued. 100%. I'm always intrigued by these guys from these lower tier non-power five programs that that explode like this because you never are quite sure is it did the light come on or is it just he's doing better against lower competition. Mm-hmm. So I think Senior Bowl is is a prime opportunity for somebody like this um, to kind of stake their claim. Spencer Brown did it last year. I mean, he didn't look fantastic, but coming off of a year where he didn't play. And before that, he played at Northern Iowa, and he held his own at Senior Bowl week. It means a lot. Mm-hmm. The game doesn't mean anything, but the practices and, do. And people even said they disrespected him for showing up. <laughs> like, yeah, like they, they disrespected the fact that he was willing to show up, knowing that he wasn't going to look that great because he hadn't he hadn't played in a long time. Um, a couple more things I want to touch on from this freak list. Your boy Tyler Linderbaum. You we we had a conversation on 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 Monday's Air Raid Hour about you know Spencer Brown and and the physical freaks and what Brandon Breen wants, et cetera, et cetera. And Tyler Linderbaum comes in at number 10 on Bruce Feldman's freak list. Um, six foot three, 290 pounds. So he's smaller, shorter arms, which is something that goes against, you know, what Brandon Bean is looking for. He likes those longer arms because he likes it when guys can just keep their distance from guys. Don't let guys get, get them to bring into the body. But I mean, this is a guy who is literally the definition of a tactician. He is close friends with Tristan Wirfs and apparently I was was, pro football focus was interviewing him this week on the tailgate podcast. And, and he's been picking Tristan Wirfs brain about the NFL before he even gets into the NFL. Um, You know, those two were, were best buds back in the day. And I mean, he's just got some absolutely incredible weight room numbers. Um, And he was tied at a four, 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 two, two in the shuttle, which is like a running backs numbers. Like there are first round quarters. Bruce Feldman says that don't have a shuttle time. That a Tyler Linderbaum, uh, Linderbaum has. One veteran NFL scout told Bruce Feldman he reminds him of former NC State first-rounder Garrett Bradbury. Uh, but uh, honestly, I would say Garrett mm. Bradbury times 10 at this point. Uh, Linderbaum has great initial quickness and great balance. He's never on the ground. And I mean, his pro football focus grades are through the roof, and they have been all season. The dude's just an absolute tactician, uh, especially in the running game. Uh, do you want to rethink what you said on Monday? Or do you still think 6'3", 290, short arms, is going to scare people away like a Brandon Bean. You know, I, I think it. I, I still think it might it might be something that scares him away. I mean, look, we went back to the Cody Ford draft. Our guy, your guy, and he was my guy too. Even though you know you didn't know it, but Dalton Reisner was there. He was the right yep. pick, and they didn't do it. And there's a lot of things similar in Dalton Reisner that there are in Tyler Linderbaum. And they still didn't pull the trigger. So I'm not convinced that as much as we might want Linderbaum mm-hmm. and as much as he was probably the right player for us, I'm not convinced Be- Bean's going to do it. Um, it could just be another missed opportunity. Look, if he does, I'll be happy to be wrong, but I, oh, I yeah. don't see it. 100%. Not yet. <laughs> uh, I'm just scrolling through here. Uh, I'm scrolling through here to see if there's any uh, other last players on this freak list that I really so want to talk about. 39 Kyler Gordon shows up. Yeah, some of the guys, both those some of the guys, 
Yep. Some of the guys that we've wa- that we've talked about have are on the list. So Noah Daniels um, at yeah. TCU. Yeah, Ika Mukwanu is on the list. He's number fifty-eight. Linderbaum at ten. Man, we're gonna um, have, Mike, we're, we're gonna have to watch Washington games this year, aren't we? Fuck. Yes. Uh, Alec yeah, Pierce, there's Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. That's right. The uh, the, the try hard quicker than fast uh, type guy. <laughs> you know, he's a lunch um, pail type. Um, my boy Cameron. Oh, Damone Clark, the linebacker out of LSU, makes the list number here. fifty-two. My guy, Damone Clark, somebody to keep an eye on. Down Logan there at Hall LSU. Houston. I mentioned him yeah. last week. Uh, Zion Johnson's on the list. Trevor Penning, Spencer Brown's teammate, is on the list. Icky Aquanu. Yep, yep. Look at Icky's us. on the list. Look, look at us, man. It's almost like maybe uh, this was a good idea. <laughs> almost. Yeah, uh, almost. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's, let's shift our focus now to uh, the games this weekend. And... Believe it or not, I, I don't know. Like Coastal and or no, Appalachian State and um, Louisiana already kicked things off this week. Uh, it was a thumping from Louisiana over App State uh, tomorrow. Georgia. Man, Southern, I can't believe Alabama, I missed that. Navy, Memphis. Not much on Thursday. Friday, Syracuse, Clemson, Cal, Oregon, San Diego State, San Jose State. Uh, so there's some some things to watch, I guess. On uh, on Friday night, I don't know. Is anything on Friday's uh, slate uh, interest you even in the least bit? Uh, I will be keeping an eye on Syracuse, hoping that they beat Clemson. Other than that, I am not paying attention. <laughs> the game Saturday is what I was going to focus on. Starting, um, not that it, not that it's supposed to be a, a great game, but any chance you have to watch Cincinnati this year. Yeah, you got it. You got to take the opportunity. No, no, Dylan Gabriel sucks. What's that? I wish, I wish Dylan Gabriel was playing. Oh um, yeah, but he's yeah. out. That would have been fun but, to see Sauce Gardner go up against Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, it would be. But even without it, Cincinnati is a fun yeah. team to watch. They got guys all over the field on both sides yeah. that are just yeah. really Yale fun. Is, they Yale is playing Connecticut. I might have to watch this game. Oh, yeah. and seven <laughs> Connecticut against two and two Yale. I might just check that one out. Um, aside from Cincinnati and UCF, um, in the Big 12, you have Texas coming off that tough beat in the Red yeah. River shootout. They're going to face undefeated Oklahoma State. Yeah. Not many times you can get this far yeah. in the season and say Oklahoma State's undefeated. Yeah. Not even the vaunted Mason Rudolph Cowboys were undefeated this far They're, in the season. Uh, oh, RIP Chris Trapasso. But uh, <laughs> uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, their linebacker at Oak State, 5'11", 225, weak side linebacker, all over the field for them. I'm actually, when I watch that game, I'm going to be paying attention to Malcolm Rodriguez and seeing how many times Bajan Robinson is going to embarrass him because that dude, um, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, and it kind of got hidden in the fact that, that Oklahoma came back and won that football game. Bajan Robinson's the best player in college football, and he might be the next Reggie Bush. Like that, he is the best running back. He might be the best offensive playmaker I have seen in college football since Reggie Bush. He is freaking phenomenal. Well, Reggie Bush doesn't uh, invite many good memories or <laughs> good feelings from me, considering you know how things turned out with him. Well, he wasn't as big of a bust as like a CJ Spiller, negative, but negative one rushing yards for the Buffalo Bills in this. Yeah, career. yeah. Just I, I always get nervous with guys like that, where um, that they, they have to ha- have these giant holes that they're running through in college, yeah. and then all of a sudden they get narrowed down in the pros, and they don't know where to go yeah. except outside. Here's an underrated game: noon on FS1. Michigan State, Mel Tucker has got those dudes 
Spartans playing this year at Indiana. I want to see Kenneth Walker the third, who I think could be RB1 when all is said and done. If you're looking for this year's Javante Williams, you will have found it in Kenneth Walker the third, who could end up on some Heisman watch lists as we get along. He's got 60 broken tackles this season, and he's got 10 plus yard explosive. He's got 26 10 plus yard explosive runs. Kenneth Walker the third is legit. He's a fun guy to watch noon FS1 against Indiana. And then Indiana's got my favorite slot corner in Taiwan Mullen. I will beat the drum for Taiwan Mullen, even though he's the exact opposite of what we have talked about on this podcast today. I will beat the drum for Taiwan Mullen as a slot corner, 5'10, 180, smaller guy. I, I love his game. Well, there's there's really one way to make me care about a running back. Does he remind you of one of two guys? Well, A, Thurman Thomas, but that's a different story. Does he remind you of Travis Henry or does he remind you of Nick Chubb? If he makes either one of those two comps, I'm interested. Because those are my favorite, those are my favorite running backs, modern, like modern era running backs. And here's love those guys. Here's the thing with running back, too. We had this conversation like four pods ago where I said, Are you willing to draft another running back in 2022 and make that rookie inactive for most of the year? But we're at the point where Devin Singletary could be Mr. Inactive next year. Because yep. Zach Moss is, uh, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to beat the drum for playing the hot hand, but week after week after week, Zach Moss is has been the hot hand. So you can make an argument that like next year when Matt Breida's contract is up, it, I don't think the Bill, Buffalo Bills would hesitate to uh, make Devin Singletary the weekly inactive if they can get their hands on a guy like Kenneth Walker Jr. or some of these other uh, second to third round running back prospects uh, if any of them pop off the tape for the Buffalo Bills. Well, I know somewhere in his mom's basement, Kendall Mursky has a big grin on his face <laughs> because Zach Moss has has emerged in this uh, the last couple of games as being the hot hand player yeah. over Singletary. Uh, he really has, you know, I was never that high on Moss. I, I'll be honest. I'll be honest about it. Um, I was never that impressed with him, uh, but I see the allure. I just never really bought into it, but and he's been doing weird. great. My he's been doing great. Travis Henry. Uh, so that I, I had the Travis. I said before the draft, that draft year, Patchwell player of the year, bounces off guys like a bowling ball, can catch, uh, run between the tackles. He did, he did it all. Um, there was one, someone from TD, I think it might have been Kyle Krabs, who threw out a Kareem Hunt comp. But I was I I I said Travis Henry at least two and a half years ago. See, and I didn't on. I didn't see it. I don't see that. Yeah, I I I don't know, man. Go back and watch some of those Utah clips. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, three thirty. This is the big game of the week. Number eleven Kentucky at Georgia. Darian Kennard versus that Georgia front. That's gonna be fun. That's that. Jordan Davis versus Darian Kennard when an well, unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Yes, that is going to be a colossal clash. I will be out of town all weekend, so I have to DVR the game and watch it after the yeah. fact, which kind of sucks. But, you know, I had this planned a while back. But, <laughs> yeah, that um, that Kentucky-Georgia game is going to be a big one. It's for control of the SEC East. Um, you know, we're far into the season now. If Kentucky beats Georgia – and they hold it together. They book. They punch themselves a ticket to the SEC championship game, and anything can happen from there. So you yeah. might. Is this the year where Kentucky defies the odds and gets to, you know, the national championship game or gets to the playoffs? Maybe. Will that make Mark Stoops the better Stoops? There's an argument there. You know, 
Maybe Bob, Bob Stoops has won a title though, or he won a title at Oklahoma. Didn't yeah, he? he did. He okay. did win a title. Maybe not. But uh, it, it brings a lot of it brings a lot of press to a Kentucky program that's been down for a long time. And Mark Stoops has done a good job of bringing that program into prominence. Um, a lot of so, a lot so, of NFL players have been yes, out of Kentucky. Good for him. Um, uh, you know, last five, six years, three, four years. You know, this weekend there's not a whole lot of premier games that I would mm-hmm. say, aside from Kentucky and Georgia, but there are some fun games. There yeah. are some some just good matchups, middling teams, conference foes, teams like Auburn and Arkansas. Yeah, that's a good one. Should be a good game. Teams like North Carolina State and Boston College, both four and one in the ACC, by the way. Yeah, and that this is this is the time of year where you start to see teams where you're like, they're four and one, <laughs> like like yeah, they're 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 five like they're five and one. Like ASU uh, is playing. Uh, who is ASU playing this weekend? They are playing uh, Utah, and Utah is not having the greatest year in the world. They're three and two, but what I'm looking forward to in this Pac-12 after dark matchup at 7 p.m. on Saturday is, you know, who's the guy who I've seen on three different scouting websites this week, NFL draft websites. I've seen him on, on with Matt Miller. I've seen him uh, with Pete Prisco, and I've seen him on PFF. This is the guy who's rising up draft boards, middle linebacker from Utah, Devin Lloyd. And the yep. conversation that they had this week on the tailgate podcast is Patrick Queen sucks. Like, like Patrick Queen for the Ravens, really fucking bad at football. And how disappointing. And they because they drafted athlete over instincts. And you're seeing that now, even with guys like Devin White. Devin White is a really good football player, and his, the athlete makes up for it because he might have some boneheaded plays or two, but then he makes up for it with his athleticism. He makes big plays. Devin White doesn't have the greatest instincts in the world, but he's just a freak. And you have these guys like at Alabama, like Christian Harris, who are f- freak athletes. But then you just have like a Devin Lloyd where it's like, well, okay, he's athletic enough, and his instincts are top notch. And I think this is the year you might see the pendulum swing back for the linebackers to instincts over athleticism. I'm not saying you, you can be, I'm not saying you can be Preston Brown. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying you can be, <laughs> I'm not saying you could be like a, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm not saying you can be like the linebackers from like the early 2000s, 1990s. But if you are a decent enough athlete and you got those sideline to sideline instincts, you understand where you need to be to get those run stops, not a tackle. Anyone can get a tackle. The run stops. You know where you need to be. You are there, and you are making the tackle. That's so what a run stop is. Let's, Guys like let's have, Lloyd do that. Let's have that conversation real quick. So mm-hmm. one of the one of the bigger complaints that I hear and that I see about our guy Tremaine Edmonds is that he people ha- think that there is a perceived lack of instinct there. That he doesn't uh, he doesn't operate at the highest level when it comes to read recognition, you know, running things instinctually, he gets there based on his raw athletic ability, but it might be a tick late or he's behind or he makes the wrong read because the game isn't natural to him. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, but it's, I don't know to, to me. And we've had this conversation a couple of times now, he looked like an eighteen million dollar player on Sunday night. <laughs> like, absolutely, yeah, he absolutely. Did. Oh, I'm not saying he, I agree with that yeah, take. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying I agree with that take, but 
I just find it. I find it interesting. You yeah. talk about the the pendulum swinging and, and, back to production. Yeah, I mean, and this, and this could be like a Matt Milano situation, right? I know Matt Milano was like used like a safety at Boston College. He wasn't the highest sought after draft pick, but this is a situation where a, a team has to choose between a Milano or an Edmonds on draft day. You know what I well, mean? Well, I'm like, gonna they're choosing the Milano over the Edmonds. So you you bring up Milano, and I'm gonna. I can't believe I'm gonna say this. But we're gonna we're gonna go back to the freak list and all the way at the bottom. Talk about a guy who's played a lot of football. He's played a lot of snaps. He's been very productive. He's a team leader. Everybody on the team will tell you what what a great guy he is. James Skalski, all do it all linebacker at Clemson. Ooh. I can't believe I'm saying this, but if you're talking about a guy that can fill in behind Milano, behind Edmonds. And possibly in that AJ Klein slot, play all three spots. Maybe um, I was a late round pick, inactive yeah. the first couple weeks, inactive half, half the season, maybe an IR. Yeah. Skalski is a guy, if you're looking at production, I mean, look, he's not going to yeah. blow the doors off physically at the combine, I don't think. But yeah. if you're talking about production, I'll see you. How, how could you not? I'll see you with Skalski and I'll raise you a Terrell Bernard from Baylor. Uh, six foot one, 225 pounds. He's missed a ton of time over his collegiate career because of injury. So you have the injury bug. He just came back from injury this week, had four tackles, a tackle for loss and a sack uh, in their last game for Baylor playing for Dave Aranda, who's close personal friends with Sean McDermott, but injured a lot. Six one, two twenty five. a guy who probably should be a second or third round linebacker could slip into the fourth or the fifth round because of those things. So a guy like Terrell Bernard, I'll see your skull skin. I'll raise you Bernard. Um, look if it means not drafting a clemson guy i'll take <laughs> all day okay give me damone clark or anybody else yeah. but i'm just i'm just saying for people that are looking at because the, the draft is seven rounds you got to look yeah. deep scalsi is a guy that i think you can be that can be had deep and could be end up being a productive player he could be that fifth round milano type guy for somebody yeah. maybe even buffalo who knows i've been i've been burned by clemson i remember i was the biggest i was beating the table for gage gage Cervenka. The interior offensive lineman <laughs> from Clemson a couple of years ago. Former defensive, I'm like, oh, former defensive tackle transitioning to interior offensive line. You know, you know, he 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 didn't play a lot, so but he but he held his own on a on a football program that won a national championship. I'm like Gabe Shavanka, Gabe Shavanka, Gabe Shavanka. Dude didn't even get like a camp invite anywhere. Like he never even made it to the national football you, league. So I had some egg on my face. So that's the last time I will wrap a late round Clemson in, guy. Being close to the program, like being living close to the program and seeing it up close, um, I think one of the aside from not being a Clemson fan, but one of the reasons why I'm down on Clemson guys in general is because there's a perception that the the program is soft. Mm -hmm. The guys are coddled a lot, so when they have to make that transition to the pros, and you see it, there's very few examples of Clemson guys that really break out and stick. Most of them end up being the, you know, the Shaq Lawson's or or worse, you know. I mean, you see what happened with Sammy and CJ, right? Sammy, CJ, Shaq Lawson. You know, the list goes on and on. These guys just don't tend to pan out as much as you know they're expected to, and I think it's because the program breeds soft players. These guys, you can do that. Just right, you know. You got to play one tough game a year. Yeah, we talked about it, you know, beating up on tomato cans. And yeah. when they have to face guys that are top level competition week in and week out, it's just, it's a shock to them. And some guys, 
some guys get up to it and the others, they just kind of, they're complacent. They're like, ah, I can get a check for four or five years and now I'm done. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just not a big fan of that program in general, aside from not being a fan of them, like as a football <laughs> team. All right. The last one we got here is the last one I got uh, is seven 30. The ABC game, such a weird ABC game uh, tells you about this week's slate a little bit. TCU at Oklahoma, Oklahoma ranked number four in the country. They're going to be starting a new quarterback this week. More than likely the reports out of Oklahoma is that uh, their backup. Uh, what's his name? I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Williams uh, has been taking all the snaps this week with the ones. And Spencer Rattler is officially benched. He is quarterback number two. Uh, that's what I've been hearing from some of the guys uh, who are pretty connected there in Norman, but they go up. They're still a pass heavy team. It's still Lincoln Riley. And they're going up against Texas Christian University, TCU, and TCU's got two corners to keep an eye on. Number one, Noah Daniels, six foot one ninety-four on Bruce Feldman's freak list. Is Noah Daniels a guy who injuries, injuries? He's been injured. He's injured a lot. Is he a guy that could tickle Brandon Bean's fancy because of his testing numbers? Uh, might overlook some of the injuries, etc. A guy like Noah Daniels, and then a guy who's undersized, a guy who would go against what Bre Big Big Baller Bean likes to do, but maybe could be the the Levi Wallace of this year's draft class, even though he's smaller than Levi, five foot nine, one hundred seventy seven pounds. Travius Hodges Tomlinson. He's going to have to transition mm. inside when he gets to the National Football League because of that five foot nine, one hundred seventy seven pound frame. But he holds down the boundary there at Texas Christian. So two corners against that uh, that Oklahoma passing game to keep an eye on. Well, oh, you know, also given Teron Johnson's extension, I don't know if yeah. we need to be looking at slot corners so much. He, he's, and that's true. And that's true. But uh, TC Taiwan Mullen, I think, can flex and be a dime guy, do inside outside. But um, TCU, that's gonna be a brutal game. I might actually go bet on Oklahoma because I read a report this week that they're starting quarterback, running back, and top two receivers. We're all like questionable for the game. Yikes. Yeah. So that's pretty um, fun. TCU finally gets a chance on prime time to play someone. And I think they only have one loss on their record this year. And they're like out half their offense. So, uh, but last that's two all. games that I had. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, Ole Miss and Tennessee, SEC showdown. Ole Miss coming off that big game last week. Tennessee coming off just a, a right ass whooping of South Carolina last week. We really put up a fight against the Volunteers. I was. Happy that I DVR'd that game so I could watch it. <laughs> um, yeah, there uh, Frank Be or uh, Shane Beamer has really uh, got his hands full this year. I can tell you that. But there's, Ole Miss there's, Tennessee, there's talent there on defense. The offense, not so much. But yeah, Ole Miss Tennessee should be a fun one. And then uh, you know, I'm still on the ISU bandwagon. ISU KSU. Um, Xavier Hutchinson, the wide receiver yeah. from ISU, six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds, yeah. so senior. So here's what I'm reading about Hutcherson, though. They don't know if he's got the athleticism to stay on the boundary. He might have to kick inside uh, as a slot receiver in the National Football League. There's not going to be a lot of tape on him from the slot. So that's the, those are the couple of things that I've heard about Hutcherson. That's okay. I mean, we might be looking for a slot receiver soon anyway. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is true. But, yeah, I, I do like, uh, like Hutcherson there. Uh, any, other, any other games you got? Uh, you know, like I said, I'll be watching ASU versus utah late but uh i'm just a pac-12 freak like that yeah no i mean like i said i'll be i'll be watching the georgia kentucky game when i get home um on sunday so it'll it'll be a fun weekend i think and uh you know lots of prospects to, yeah. to watch and 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for this episode of the BF War Room. Uh, we will be posting this very audio tomorrow morning. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you find your podcast, type in the BF War Room, Buffalo Bills Draft Prospects, and you can like, subscribe, review, rate, and listen to this if you've been listening to us live on Twitter over the past uh, 50 minutes. So until next time, Randy, go Bills. Go Bills.